This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, oh, deflection, and a goal! Goes to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible hobble! Newport County, Michael Flynn sits proudly on top of his own personal managerial career division. And you thought this was all going to be doom and gloom, didn't you? Swindon Town, Neil Wrexham won four losses in a row. And here to discuss is Terry. Hello, Terry. Hey, Rich. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. A nice, pleasant couple of days football aside yourself. Yeah, we're in the um, that sort of post-Christmas peace and quiet, I think is the so my my wife and I and our little one, we tend to be quite quiet, peaceful people. And yet the visiting family hordes obviously throw that into disarray. Um, so packed the last of them off this morning and now it's very much a case of putting the house back together and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But no, it was, it was a lovely, lovely time. I managed to sneak two hours yesterday afternoon to, 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 watch, the, uh, to watch the game as well, which was... Welcome relief in some ways, but um, <laughs> not enjoyable experience in others, I suppose. Yeah, I just have mental images of you packing up your family and putting them in the attic all year round, and then bringing them down at Christmas. <laughs> just sandwich between the sandwich between the tinsel and the uh, and the Christmas glasses. Yeah, yeah, because I'm in very much in that what day of the week is it sort of mode. 
had I known it was on iFollow, I might not have gone regardless because of the family element. Um, and I, I feel a bit rueful on that front, but I was there. You could, one of the, um, you could be one of the hundreds of people who appeared to buy tickets and not turn up. Yeah, well, let's start with that because it was a 12,271 bumper Boxing Day slash Disney Plus crowd. And sadly, they witnessed a bit of a dud. Sam Mooreshead observed that 1,200, 200 people at the county ground should never be considered a sellout. Creative wording from the club, perhaps. Technically true, I'm sure, as all available tickets were sold. But with policing and a decaying stadium, it's kind of sad that that's our... That's possibly our max at the moment. Yeah, I, I think I think that the key bit here is home sellout. I think, isn't it? Um, Wrexham clearly didn't sell out. Uh, I, I, but even I don't know. I, like, I don't know what happened. Maybe loads of people. Maybe maybe season ticket holders are are starting to, to to turn off because there was lots and lots of empty seats. Or seem at least appeared to be watching it on iFollow. And look, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that. Um, those seats weren't sold. It just means that those people weren't in them. And we've we've been seeing for weeks and weeks now. We've been joking about how the the actual people in attendance number is way lower than the number announced because the number announced is tickets sold. And that was never clearer yesterday when you've spent three weeks telling everybody it's a sellout, and then there's then there's hundreds of empty seats. So it was all a bit. That was all a bit weird, wasn't it? Um, a real shame because I'm sure there's lots of people who would have wanted to go and, and and couldn't get a ticket for whatever reason. I saw lots of people after spares, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure that if there was a better, smarter way of doing it, then some of those people could have got, could have got to the game after all, but oh, well, 12,000 12, is a lovely boxing day crowd, but it's hardly remarkable, is it? I certainly don't think it's particularly in the, uh, in the pantheons of history. No, it's not. And we'll, there's a little bit more to that uh, in a few moments with uh, the, the crowd. But let's let's get into the lineup because there was, of course, that one change. Uh, Lewis Ward in goal. And then you had uh, Hutton and Cocolo and Khan and Minton in defence. McEachran just ahead. Kinsella and Shade ahead of them. Kemp in the attacking midfielder role and Young and Austin up front. The big news over the last couple of days really is that Murphy Mahoney is out for the season. Well, out for the season, but maybe a couple of months, but maybe that Swindon don't want him on the books for a few months. There will be some light rejoicing from elements of the Swindon Town fan base, but here we are. Like I said, I think this sounds like Swindon want to free up the spot instead of having another lone player out for months on end. Yeah, I think we've we've got mixed reports in terms of the severity of his injury. I saw someone mention sort of three or four months. It's it's a bad hamstring, but it's not a season ender for him. But like you say, is, is there value in us? It seems to be a pretty smart move from the club. To be fair, to be like, all right, on your on you go, and we'll we'll sign a new keeper. I mean, a sensible, well run professional club with a functioning football operation signs a new goalkeeper on January the first. So I fully expect us to announce one on February the 15th. Do you, do you not think it's going to be Ward and Connor Bran until the end of the season and then using whatever budget we have for outfield? Yeah, budget. <laughs> um, surely not, Rich. Surely not. Mm. Who's Ward's a mascot? Like, he's oh, just, he's, he's better than a mascot. Boy. He's better than a mascot. Um, I just never look, we were going to talk Lewis Ward in a minute, right? But I did, I, I, I forgot that I enjoy... 
in a very strange way, watching Lewis Ward make really simple saves look really hard. <laughs> was the, yeah. I, was, I was watching, I watched the game back this morning, and there's two saves right at the start of the second half. The sort of header, close range, middle of the goal, ball hits him, but he manages to tie himself in knots to do it. And then there was another one where he sort of gets down, dives to his right, gets down to it, but rather than pushing it sideways, he pushes pushes it sort of back onto himself and gets himself in a right mess. He's he's a he's he's a strange goalkeeper to watch. Mm. Kind of conspiracy theory hat on, as I like to plonk in every now and again. That that feels to be for me a little bit of parallel with what I'm watching in front of me over the last few weeks with what we saw last season. Feels like a few players might know or feel that the end is nigh for them at Swindon Town. And we are seeing, and we'll drill into a few players during this episode, it just feels like that might be the case again this year. Yeah, always seems to be the case at the moment, doesn't it? Certainly in the last two seasons. Um, I think, was it the end of season pod last year, Rich, that you, you, you and I did together? And I was basically bemoaning the fact that I have absolutely zero emotional connection with any of the footballers who currently play for Swindon. Yeah. And that's purely because of the way that the club has chosen to operate, therefore means the second you sign for us, we're looking to sell you. Yeah. So why would we take to anybody and why would they take to us? Um, and their time here is always deprioritized because their move is the most important thing. Not, and that's not the players that are at fault there. That's 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 the organization and the club because that's what they've chosen to do. So I think it's then really hard to criticize the players for this. In some, it, I, I don't really, I don't really think the, if the players are sold, look, come here for six months, twelve months, play well, we'll move you on. You can't then complain at the players when they move on or when they want to move on because that's that was the whole bloody point. And it just make it just makes our football club a sort of, I think I think Connor used you know Connor coined the phrase twelve months ago. It's the Glen Hoddle Academy, but in the rain, it just it's it's a last you know it's a last chance saloon for bombed out academy players or or conference players that are trying to get a get a, get a move up the ladder. It's just, it just that that's the that's the purpose we serve now in the game. We don't serve our fans. We don't serve. The wider competition. We're not trying to win the league. We're not trying to get promoted. We're just we just sort of feed into an ecosystem where we just churn through really average footballers in the hope that one of them gets good moves for hundred grand and somebody somewhere in who may or may not own part of the club gets to keep that money. It's all a bit weird, isn't it? It is. It is. Well, as I said, we're going to talk about a few of the players in this episode using listeners' contributions um, to fuel that conversation. Uh, we'll go back to that 12,000 attendance. Uh, the atmosphere, in my opinion, wasn't great. Sort of happens when a reasonable percentage of the home following weren't there to really support the town. I had a Swansea fan analysing bemoaning League 2 football, Romeo Hutton and the lack of Paul Mullin behind me and a chap with a uh, screen saver or a, a front pitch on his phone of uh, the Cheltenham Town badge, uh, plus one nearby applauding every positive Wrexham moment. Uh, Nathan STFC says, a weird amount of Americans near me, atmosphere flat, defeatist attitude from everyone. Clem walked through the legends completely unscathed, rumours galore, Wrexham well worth the win. Please liquidate. It's it's largely <laughs> irrelevant, but it was a big win for the club in that respect, wasn't it? And it was a very Disney plus crowd in the Don Rogers, I felt. Look, if you if the name of the game is to 
sell your soul and your loyal customer down the river for a quick buck, then they've played the game well. You can't knock that. I think it's the sort of faux, that's not what we're doing, that, that is that is the most annoying bit for, for me. Um, it was strange. Just going back to your points, I mean, I think we all know who the Cheltenham Town fan was, right? It wasn't. It wasn't, no. <laughs> um, it, it was a group of eight sort of early 20s lads, probably university house, you know. Oh, it's just nuts, mate. Rich, I would. I, I didn't go yesterday, obviously, but were you not tempted to just be like, that Swansea fan, like, what are you doing here? Oh, like, it was, it was, the, it was like, I, I think it's a part of what Disney Plus have done with that documentary. I mean, I haven't seen the documentary, but I, I've heard many people say they've sort of conned a, a, a fan base, not the Wrexham regulars, I might add, into thinking that League Two and the National League are insanely brilliant divisions or, or in, in entertainment because this Swansea fan was just sat there just bemoaning everything. And yeah, it wasn't a good game. But what but were you expecting? Exactly. For Paul what, Mullins, what did, by the sounds of what, it. Where did he go? But Paul, Paul Mullins just a jobbing conference striker. What? What? Yeah. It, 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 I, I, Rich, it's so alien to me, the yeah. whole thing. The idea of going to watch Swindon against Wrexham as a neutral because Paul Mullin might play. <laughs> what? Uh, we're going to have Wrexham fans listen to this like we did for the 5-5 five five, and I don't want them to get triggered, particularly because Wrexham are a better team. They deserve the win, in my opinion, over the majority of the game. And they didn't really need to do much in that game to win. They were clearly not playing to the fullest of their ability. And we've seen that a few times this season with some of the bigger hitters. McLean aside, and maybe the ageing Stephen Fletcher. Don't go out of your way to watch Stephen Fletcher come off the bench for 10 minutes to hold the ball up in the corner and fall on his ass, do you? Like, I don't get it. Swansea, Swansea man was very keen to point out the performance that Fletcher had against Swansea a few years back. Do you know what? I think um, what I would... Look, we go I'm right off on a tangent here, but why not? It's way more interesting than talking about the game yesterday. Mm. I would I would absolutely... I'd, there's two people who I'd love to talk to about this. I'd love to talk to Mr. Swansea fan or anybody else who has gone to that game yesterday as a as a neutral, as a Wrexham-leaning neutral because of a TV show. And just get inside their head. That would fascinate me. But also, do you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to hear from an old school Wrexham fan. Would you want it to happen to our club, Rich? Um, well, I, I, I don't want to poo-poo it, to be, to be honest. But it, it's weird because yesterday had all the feeling of, of a playoff semi-final. It had all the feeling of a cup game. That's the times when we get that crowd. And it, it I don't want to sound elitist because it's not a season ticket follower thing. But as a Swindon fan, there were people that clearly were Lapstown fans that didn't know how Harrison Minton played or how Romeo Hutton played and just listening to them. And it was just like, just a little bit grating. And then, mm. and then listening to patronising, all they got to do is this, this and this and they'll, they'll be fine. It's just, it just makes my toes curl. And I can tolerate that in high stakes cup games or playoff games, but in a league game against Wrexham, it just was like, oh God. It, 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 yeah, it, it's, it's elitist. It's a bit snobby, but because we need their money. But my goodness, they're not going to be back for Forest Green Rovers. So what I don't think we do. I mean, I don't, I don't quite agree with we need their money because we have really good home support anyway. It's not like, 
it's not you know it's not like the old SPL example where St Johnston get two and a half thousand. I mean, I'm going to have St Johnston fans hunting me down on Twitter now. You know, having two and a half thousand a week until Rangers and Celtic come, and then it's a sellout, and that's what keeps them going, and they're happy to sell their soul and give them three three stands of the ground. Like this is Wrexham, they bought twelve hundred away fans. I would expect no more or no less from any other team. For if we played Stockport yesterday, they would have bought the same number of away fans. It it it, it there are relatively well followed club at this level having a really good season of course they, they're gonna they're bring gonna bring 1200 1300 why wouldn't they but anyway yeah i don't know I, it, it's not for me the whole thing isn't for me but i'm sure i'm sure there's lots of Wrexham fans that are having way more fun watching their club than a we are and b they were three years ago before it all started so ultimately if it's all about going to football with your mates and enjoying yourself there doing that <laughs> more regularly and with more mates. Oh, with with gusto. And one final point I have to say now, now it's over. I'm glad we don't have to have months of Swindon fawning over Wrexham in, in every way possible. Oh God, it was vile, wasn't it? Oh, it wasn't the, um, <laughs> I don't know if you were there, Rich. I don't know if you saw it because obviously you were at the game, but the weird live YouTube pre-game yeah. show. Did you come across that? Very, very peculiar. Don't want to slag it off too much because I'm sure they were volunteers and and, and whatever and, and they're having a good go. But coincidence that it was for Wrexham at home? None. 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 Right then. Um, Rich, did you, sorry, before, but just before we go on, your mention of Legends, oh, sorry, Nathan's mention of Legends Lounge. Uh, reminded me, did you manage to pop into the Legends Lounge? God, no. Matt did you enjoy Singapore... the live, live music? I, I, did, I didn't go in. Matt in Singapore messaged me saying he, he'd never seen it so busy. It was it was quite something. And I think that naturally, I would have loved to see Matt, but that naturally repelled me because, like, I, funnily enough, we left the Legends for the Barrow game, during the Barrow, before the Barrow game, because it was too quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Goldilocks here. Like it's got yeah, the the fake the fake promise of live music did its job then. <laughs> yeah, it certainly it certainly did. But yeah, um, and if I saw uh, Clem Mulfoony uh, waltzing through, I, I wouldn't have said anything. I would have just sort of sided. Of course, oh, we're people boys, like Rich. That's what we do. All people would do. Uh, let's get into the game. Then we're not going to talk about every nook and cranny um, because, well, for the first seventy-five minutes, it was very much a certain type of game, and then there was a fun final fifteen minutes. But Rob Ludlow says thought we were awful. For 75 minutes until the red card, Wrexham looked on uh, half throttle. Uh, could have still been three up if it wasn't for Ward. Looked a bit more positive after the red card again. Another poor effort. So, yeah, I think the opening exchanges made it quite clear from the very start that this wasn't going to be a classic. Uh, I felt that Wrexham were better pretty much across the board. They were clearly not operating, like Rob says, to their maximum ability. But at Swindon were trying but not clicking. And all I can really remember from the opening exchanges was the town end booing uh, James McLean, as is the custom. And then he went and scored and the usual hands to ears being the poetic justice for him. The goal was awful. Uh, Saidu Khan, I think it was, dangled a leg out and failed to touch the ball, allowing McLean to collect and outmuscle Harrison Minton and slot it past Lewis Ward. Um, I, it felt at the time it did seem, and it, watching it back, some of the Wrexham players fell for it as well. It, it looked like it was going to be disallowed for some reason, but it, it proved that the referee was just uh, flapping at McLean, putting his hand to his ear. It was a really peculiar ten seconds, wasn't it? Like immediately, 
immediately follow, following the goal. The goal is an absolute horror show. Saidu Khan's had an absolute mare yet again. Uh, Harrison Minton's made of Rice Krispies. Um, and McLean just sort of <laughs> just walked through him like, like the ghost of Christmas future. <laughs> but why, why was James McLean being booed? Because of his uh, political beliefs and his Irish pride. Oh, okay. Very, okay. Very politically aware, the left side of the town end that's always empty that wasn't empty yesterday. Um, but yeah, very, very peculiar sort of. It wasn't just McLean, was it? I think a couple of other Wrexham players came over very deliberately to, yeah, to talk to the fans. It was very weird. Very <laughs> let's, let's talk about Harrison Minturn because there was plenty of praise for Minturn um, after the game, including a couple of Man of the Match shouts. We as a podcast, as a collective, as a group of friends, we are fans of Harrison Minturn. But this season, I've used the term, I don't think the season has been fair to him for his development, as opposed to him. I absolutely don't think he's having a stinker. I think he came in and he wasn't ready. He might disagree. You have to have experience by his side for him to develop. There's no point putting a first-year, second-year pro or any of the under-18s in if you don't have people around them to learn. He's working alongside Saidu Khan, and... That is it's sabotage again. Yeah, we had a bit of a feisty debate on Minter this morning, didn't we? On um, in in the uh, WhatsApp group, I I deep down I agree with you. The, the situation is unfair on him, and we are stunting his development by playing him, which sounds like quite a weird thing to say. Um, but he should be he should be out on loan, playing forty six games a season at a level where he is capable of having a positive impact, and that is not this level currently. My my two sort of counterpoints, Rich. One, he's professional footballer. He's not a uh, he's not a youth team player. He's not a first-year or second-year scholar. He is a fully signed professional footballer in his second or third season. He, uh, second, either. Yeah. Second. Second season. At some point, he has to be judged in the same way that everyone else is judged. Mm-hmm. And... I am fed up, absolutely sick of our defenders being garbage. And it's at what point do you stop? At what point does Harrison Minton stop belonging in a different category when he when he messes up compared to everyone else? I don't have the answer to that, but it's but that that point will come soon. Um, and 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 secondly, sort of a wider point in terms of his development, the thing that I don't get with Harrison Minton is that I don't see, I don't really see what he becomes. He's not super quick. He's not super strong. He's not great in the air. He's not great on the ball. I I know I'm being super, super harsh here and and I I would love it. I'd love for it to work out for him. We're not doing any favours this season. My fear is that he doesn't recover from it. And, and, And that would be, that would be a real shame. Yeah, I, I agree with you that there, historically across Swindon Town eras, there are there are players that get more rope than others. A hundred percent agree with that, and he he isn't immune from stick. But you've got to have people to learn from, and it's it mm. it can't just be on the training pitch. It has to be in the ninety minute environment, and that's why we always said, "Oh, that's what the that's what the football league trophy should be all about." But at the moment, he's got Saidu Khan next to him who thinks he's leaving. I, I always bring up Aidan Flint in this conversation, who was always hapless alongside an equivalent. But when he was alongside experience like Darren Ward, and even Adam McCormack, he was much, much better. 
because he was allowed to learn and make errors while other people were around him. But poor old Minton right now in the last two games, he's got Saidu Khan falling over or Saidu Khan dangling his leg out. Yeah, no, I do get that. I do get that. But 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 that doesn't excuse so all of that all of that aside, mm-hmm. in those split second one to one duels, Minton loses them more often than not. Yes, yes, that's and true, that's, yeah. a, that's not impacted by anything else, right? So James McLean going through going through on goal. Yes, it's not Minton's fault that he found himself in that position. But in that position, he has to do better. He's got to be. He's got to be the wall, hasn't he? He's got to be he the, to be the stop it. Yeah, yeah. And and when he, and he, he's given away a couple of penalties, so that might play on his mind too. But yeah, and that's that's something that they do hundred percent have to work from. But at the same time, you take Minton out. There isn't a defender. There isn't a. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying we take him out, Rich, because you can't. We can't take him out because there's no one to bloody replace. But there's him. no there's combination. Not, that, there's no combination this season that's been this team. This defense is rock solid. There, there just hasn't been. Not not any of them. If you put Blake Tracy, Brewitt, and Godwin Malief together, like it was for the most season, they're conceding goals left, right, and center. So it's yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's tough. There was definitely improvement. The George McEachran's a sad sight at the moment. And his confidence seems to be just shot away. There might be reasons for that, but he went yeah, off. I wonder if he's not fit, Rich. It's really, really tough to watch. I'm, up until literally the start of Advent, I was such a huge George McEachern fan. And it just... And that's how I know. That's how I know this club is slipping from me because if I'm get, watching players like McEachern, Hutton, I think, is another one who's fitting into this. The way they're faded over the last three or four weeks, I just like even even the silver linings, even the even the the three or four players that I really enjoyed watching this season, are now just falling off a cliff, and it's just it's just sad to see, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and th- th- there could always be things that we don't know about that that are a factor behind that, but due to the nature of this squad, we can't rotate, we can't we can't, we need him on the pitch. Um, but Tom Brewitt came on, returning from tendonitis. Uh, Paul loves nature says. Brewitt for man of the match. We looked a little better when he came on. Uh, but let's face it, we are really, really poor. I don't know if it's the injuries, fatigue or confidence, but it isn't that the manager's job to sort. Uh, Johnny Showbiz says, better with two defenders, unsurprisingly. Team bereft of confidence. And Paul D says, thought we looked much better when Brewitt came on for McEachran. Not so much because of Brewitt, but because Khan was much better in midfield than both McEachran there and himself at the back. Uh, please don't do that again. It really doesn't work. And Bruett's presence did lift the crowd noticeably in those opening exchanges. But even then, Bruett faded and, and got what looked to be a nasty injury in the second half. And he had to play on with Kern just behind him again uh, because they didn't want to take him off for Sonny Hart, it would seem. But hopefully there's nothing too major there. But that, that shows you the farce of this squad at the moment where Bruett, he, he wasn't well. And, you know, there's tub thumping Bruett that you know gives gives the applause and he sort of knocked out McLean at one stage to the joy of everybody who 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 loved that sort of thing but isn't it crazy that you put a center back on at center back and it, it improves the side yeah a couple of weird bits on this i think a in my head if he's fit enough to come on after half an hour he's fit enough to start and come off after an hour which so it's weird not starting him because we were immediately on the back foot, hence you know one nil down after eight minutes or whatever. Um, but then obviously he he obviously wasn't fit. 
it, it, the, the words used there, Rich, was fast, and, and, and you're dead right. Brewitt coming off the bench after half an hour, hobbling around, tub thumping and knocking people over while giving the ball away routinely and gift wrapping Wrexham three or four chances is all of a sudden a shout for man of the match. And, and it's not a bad shout because we were that poor. It just... You've got you've got national league level players that are that are come, that are standing out as positives for us. Ultimately, that's where we are. Yeah, I've got no major ill with with Tom Brewitt. His performance on that one, his the importance for him against to be available for Forest Green is significant. I would say, and that's why when I was I was I was sat watching the game, going, just take him off. We need him in two just three days. Just take him off. Him off. Like and I know we were we were improving and I just felt in this game that if when he was injured, not like and I completely agree with you, if he starts that game, there's more chance of Tom Brewitt doing one of his last gasp heroic diving, you know, with lunging tackles and preventing that, that shot on goal than what, what we saw where I felt like if Parkinson just brings on Mullin, who likes to run with the ball at his feet. He would he would have just ran rings round Swindon's defence in the in the second half on the counter, but they didn't. That they have the luxury to rest him. I think I think that's true of the whole game yesterday, Rich. Really, I think I think Re- Wrexham didn't get a second gear. I think unless it was the last gasp of equaliser, if we'd have done anything remotely positive second half, they would have re- they'd have responded and just kicked on and and done it again, right? I, I, I don't think. From from Wrexham's point of view, I think it was the perfect performance. It, over Christmas on an away day as well, you want to get three point three points and exert as little energy as possible. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in second gear and coast and get out of there and waste time and fall over and whatever, you know, hold the ball up in the corner, it, it doesn't really matter. As long as you get out of there unscathed, which they did, um, they'll be really really happy with their afternoon's work. I think. Hello everybody, summer is here and when there's no Swindon Town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch, you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it, okay? So don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the Chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home, but no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month, and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Hi LSPod fans, it's JR here, enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell Outlook Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with McDelivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Much got the touch. Piotrov now. He's got past Carlerwood. Piotrov's in on goal. It's a game! 
this man his first goal here in uh, Wiltshire and the fans are really applauding two goals in two games for the likeable Norwegian uh, can we talk about Saidu Khan and Romeo Hutton? Uh, Swindon 60 says a few players working hard to get the move in January. A few like uh, Khan already checked out. A few not bothered. No energy in the team or crowd. Plenty of accusations on social media and in the ground of these players downing tools before their big moves. Less so for Saidu Khan, who received pay- praise post-game and some man-of-the-match requests. Uh, the neutrals, the Swansea fan behind me, was not, as I said, a fan of Romeo Hutton. Hands on hips equals laziness. Again, interesting, isn't it just? Uh, I, I, I'm a fan of, of Romeo Hutton and I saw a frustrated-looking player. Dare I say somebody who's played pretty much every minute this season. Do I say a tired-looking player? And also, yeah, maybe a player that knows that the, the end is near, but... He's thought that, apparently, according to my brain, for the last three or four windows. What, what are your opinions on the recent performances of Saidu Khan and Romeo Hutton? Saidu Khan, I just hope his move is done. Because <laughs> if it's not, if it's not, he ain't getting a move, is he? Let's be honest. If you're watching in the last four weeks, you're pulling out. Um, let's hope, yeah, for his sake, let's hope it's done. Um I have no emotional connection with Saidu Khan. If he wants to go, let him go, get some decent money for him with the huge, huge, huge asterisks that he needs to be replaced and won't be because that's not what we do. Romeo Hutton, Rich, I could talk to you about Romeo Hutton for a long, long time. I'm a huge fan of him. I I do not get the criticism of him. I do not get it. He is... He has more assists this year than anybody else in the country. That's because he crosses in 200 times a game. But he crosses in the same amount of times as every other, <laughs> as every other right back. But but he's, he's also absolutely the most consistent player we have. He plays pretty much every minute of every game. I don't, I, I don't recall him ever being injured. I don't recall him ever getting suspended. I don't recall him getting in trouble. I don't recall him getting in any flashpoints. He runs up and down that right-hand side, creating goals for fun in a dreadful team and has done exactly that from the minute he signed a year and a half ago. What, what, what's what's the angle on the criticism? I don't get it. I do not get it. He's a classic case of he'll leave, he'll go on and have a great career. We'll still There'll still be people in our fan base who say, well, we didn't do it for us because they're incapable of watching football or understanding how stats work. He's a fantastic, fantastic fullback at this level and the level above. And he will go on and have a really, really good, good career. I know what, what feels more likely in my brain is he leaves, he does really well. And Swindon Town fans will go, well, you didn't do that with us. Even, even though he literally did. <laughs> it's madness, isn't it? But his consistency, like he plays every minute of every, it's the first name on the team sheet. Yeah. It, it, it's every bit of every game, up and down that right-hand side, creating goals. I, it, there will be some people out there who don't like him because he once tweeted a beach emoji. Um, <laughs> it, it's weird, Rich. The, the dislike of Romeo Hutton is is very, very peculiar. I saw some someone, and forgive me, this person, if you're listening, I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember your your handle on on social media. Basically saying, you know, if we started again, who would we take? Like, you know, if if we cleared everyone out, and they put Cocolo in there ahead of Hutton. So what? What are you doing? How how do you not see that he's a fantastic right back at this level? He's he'll get his move. He'll get his move because people who are paid to know about football will be watching him. 
and, and will understand what he, the value that he can add to a side. I hope he does get his move. I really do. Good for him. Yeah, a hundred percent. But I would rather he stay till the end of the season. Um, but... Yeah, for our, for our own uh, chances of survival, or at least winning the um, Michael Flynn eighteenth to twentieth mini league, which is what it's going to become. I think he's out of contract, isn't he? Unless we have a, a trigger um, of some sort, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, in terms of the, the 75 minutes, I know we haven't really talked about it, and I think with good reason. There were a few moments where Lewis Ward kept us in the game, but I, I kind of leaned towards... I, I don't want to be unfair on Ward. I know I've been unfair on Ward uh, a lot over the last couple of years, um, saying Brewitt, and I thought Brewitt really did lift the side, and we definitely did improve with Brewitt, and we absolutely should have him starting if he's fit. Ward, I kind of agree, though. I, I think the saves he did make were were what I would expect him to save, but he did it. Reading some of the listeners' contributions, I do kind of think many of the Swindon fans forget those saves were made when they're talking about the last 15 minutes because Wrexham should have buried those efforts and they were in good places for Ward, Ward to save. But the first 75 minutes, those cracks were papered by the... the the mild chaos, which wasn't very chaotic at all, the last fifteen minutes. Yeah, it, it really wasn't chaos. Chaos was it, Rich? It, it was better. Um, I think Wrexham invited us onto them after the after the red card, didn't they? It's sort of like, right, we're we're just going to stop playing here. Like, we're going to waste as much time as possible. We're gonna we're gonna well, we're gonna let we're gonna sit in and you can try and score. And we didn't really force the keeper into doing much, did we? Obviously, Young hit the bar in injury time. Young slashed wide from a from a um, from a left hand sided cross, and he also had a, a nice effort blocked from a Hutton Hutton cross that, that he took down really well. But then and then his shot was blocked in warmer in warmer climbs. Maybe he would have scored. <laughs> maybe I thought Wrexham defended really well in terms of protecting do their you? goal. I do, I do, yeah. because we, we haven't made the goalkeeper making make any saves. No, I, I agree with you in the fact that we didn't make a Conquo work. I hundred percent agree with that. But I felt they were quite shaky. Three really weird corners they conceded. Yeah, I think what I mean, Rich, is sort of the last gasp, to put your sure. on the line defending. Yeah, they, they yeah, were... it was poor defending to give us those opportunities. But in terms of in terms of bodies on the line, protect your goalkeeper, get in front of stuff, that's the bit they did well. Tom Brewitt defending, let's call it. <laughs> and and I do think they were much more organised than, say, Mansfield were a few a few weeks ago when we got our last gas winner. Like, in what I thought was going to be a melee, especially when they hit we hit the bar, they were still very, very sort of much more composed than, than what we seem to be a bit more frantic instead of it, the ball was in our court to be measured. And that's that's encapsulated by Saidu Kearns. But James Joseph, she said they were sent off with two reasonably quick yellow cards. The town end, realising that this is probably as good as it'll get through a, what was it? A smoke bomb flare pyro? I don't know. Onto smoke the pitch. Bomb. Yeah, we're going to go smoke. We'll go smoke bomb. We've, we, we're throwing smoke bombs on for red cards now. That's That immediately goes into the top three weirdest things at the counter ground this year, <laughs> along with... Uh, birthday announcements during the game against Barrow and goal music when we went uh, 7-1 down against Oldham. Yeah, very, very odd That's moment. Awesome. Yeah, so the last 15 minutes, as we've discussed, plenty of the ball, but none of the composure required. It felt like the goal was coming, but like you quite rightly point out, we don't make the goalkeeper work enough. There were three big chances. And the big one really is Saidu Khan's effort. Oh, and I, I've joked about this and I don't really mean it, but if he joins Wrexham, I want that effort investigated. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, I mean, if, if if there was any grounds to suggest that he didn't do that at least eight times a day in training, then you might have grounds for <laughs> Yeah, if, if, if it wasn't Saidu Khan and his shooting, which, you know, the evidence of him genuinely trying is stat by that effort that, you know, that was that was the town end. Well, that was Swindon Town's, the fans' fault because they did the shoot over it went. Yeah, the last 15 minutes was, it warmed us up in terms of in the stands. And it was like, oh, look how... Shaky suddenly Wrexham appear because they, especially this is where Tyree Shade became a, war, a world beater, seemingly petrifying the Wrexham defence with his usual meandering where he sort of like floats from one to the other. And it's why Jones got sent off, but it ultimately resulted in nothing. Yeah. And it, but it was still one of his better displays. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Rob Dinsey says, so final score, 1-0 to Wrexham. No major complaints from anyone around other than that sort of feeling that in the last 15 minutes we we, we should have um, got a draw, maybe even a win, according to some of the listeners. Rob Dinsey says, a credible defeat rather than the usual abject one, but that still isn't any point. Um, Shame as we owed them a late equaliser. And then DSP643 says, I thought Swindon played pretty well in the second half. Not much you can do with a small squad compounded by a plethora of injuries and games coming every 20 minutes. Too many negative armchair critics. Oh, come on, DSP643, who have no experience in playing, coaching and managing at a pro level. Come on, you Reds. Right, Rich. Right, let's... We've got to, we've got to, we've got to mothball the podcast, A. Yeah. And B... It looks like DSP six three nine seven or whatever he's called. He's got the he gets the big gig. He replaces Michael Flynn. Yeah, right. because I'm assuming he has lots of uh, professional football experience coaching. Well, he might. He might do. He has to because he's got an opinion on football mm. by default. Uh, when you sent over the show notes, I, re- I read Rob Dinsey as Rob Disney. Oh, everyone does. Poor old Rob. Hello, Poor Rob. Old Rob. Especially today. Um, I I have a, a slight issue with Rob. I, I I agreed on most of his point, but there is no such thing as a credible creditable home defeat in League Two. I'm afraid. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, there was a lot of listener feedback saying we either, like I said, either deserved a draw. There were enough positives in that game or in that second half. While others were just saying it's just not very good, and we're scratching around and we're celebrating Tom Brewitt showing passion as as one of life's victories in terms of man of the match. Uh, there were shout-outs for Lewis Ward, Tom Brewitt, Harrison Minton, and Saidu Khan. The sponsors on the day gave it to Tyree Shade. The listeners have given it to Tyree Shade. Terry, who are we giving it to? Uh, I don't care enough to dispute them. Yeah, nice. Okay, then. Um, Swindon are 15th. Hooray. In all comps this year. So lots of, lots of stats have been wielded around. But yeah, we're 15th on 30 points. Um, we are six points away from the playoffs. 13 points away from the relegation zone. But people are not just looking at this season now, they're looking at the calendar year. So this calendar year, 2023, we've played 51 times. We won only 14, drawn 13 and lost 24 in EFL League 2. Over this calendar year, played 45, won only 14. Gosh, the Cups have been good to us, haven't they? Drawn 11 and lost 21. 53 points. I think that's a maximum of 135 points at home. 33 points from 22 games. That's 33, so 66 points 
And then away from home, 20 points from 24, a maximum of 72. Um, it's not hard to calculate uh, Michael Flynn because he has contributed to 29 of those games in all competitions, winning eight, drawing eight, losing 13 with 51 goals and 62 conceded. And you've got to remember two of those draws were penalty shootout losses too. Whereas in the league, as you'll know, it's uh, 30 points out of a possible 72. And a lot of those points came in the first nine games of the season. Was it 3-18 and for Swindon? It's been a rotten calendar year and a rotten season, hasn't it? It's been horrific, Rich, quite frankly. It, 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 the, the numbers in the calendar year add up quite nicely to help you sort of look at it as a season and see well, where, where does 53 leave us. So we played 45 in the year. So if you give 46 with the Forest Green game, I'm going to give us three points in that game for argument's sake and say that we have 56 for the calendar year. Where does that put you in the league, realistically? 18th, 19th? Um, and that's where we are. But you know, I was reflecting this morning. There was a lot. There's a lot of noise now. Like, is Mike Flynn part part of the problem? Is he the solution? Is is he? Has he got his hands tied behind his back? Like, where where, where do we? Is it even possible to? Is it remotely possible to start fixing problems at a footballing level with the off-field problems? It's, it's so complex at the moment. But. For for me, with with Michael Flynn, I I was reflecting this morning that ultimately is he not doing exactly what we expected him to do, and that any that any idea that we might do better was misguided optimism. Because you know you opened the the episode with the the, the Mike Flynn mini league in consecutive places in the bottom half of League Two, so that's what Mike Flynn is. He's a jobbing lower mid-table League 2 manager. He's got a playing budget believed to be around 14th to 18th in the league, I think, is a a fair guess from the tidbits that that certainly I've heard. So is he not just doing exactly what is expected of him? And ultimately, he is a company man and and he's a working man and he has a family to raise and provide for and he's doing a job. And he's not going to come out and criticise those above him and jeopardise his own career and his own earnings and his own paycheck at the end of each month because he needs that. He's, he's a working man. So it, it's sort of... I, I, I'm, <laughs> I remember in the summer... I remember when Mike Flynn was appointed, we had sort of quite, a, quite an interesting debate where I think I described him as a jobbing lead to manager. And... and I, a lot of people thought I was being a bit harsh because he got to the Newport to the playoffs four or five years ago, whatever. But for me, he's doing exactly what any club would expect him to do. And his next job will be at Grimsby or Colchester or whoever, back to, back at Newport, whoever. It'll be in that same six to eight clubs who occupy the bottom half of League Two without going down. That, that That's where Mike Flynn lives. That's where we now live. That's where we'll continue to live until the ownership changes. Oh, I want to move out. Um, Jason Spacey says, anyone calling for Flynn's head is an idiot. There isn't a manager on the planet that could do better with the cards. He's been dealt. He's not the problem. I, I have no major desire to see Flynn sacked. But that, for me, is because I've seen that he's recently signed a new contract and it, it just doesn't feel plausible that 
if we and if we bin him, then we'll end up with current staff holding the fort. It'll be on gardening leave, and it'll be team gunning Mildenhall, Charlie Austin gunning Mildenhall, which was, was tremendous fun that season. But I'm not sure we've got it in us to do that again. Oh dear! I mean, and then you get fans saying, "Well, January, January, January," or the club especially saying, "January, January, January." But how can we trust this upcoming transfer window? I'm looking forward to the January last ending, so people don't say January, January, God, January. Yeah, January next year. I mean, the last transfer window was botched so badly, and now we have teams in League Two, in League Two, who are above us in priority, especially with loans and so forth, because of our hapless state. And you just know our reputation and those things like FA charges or EFL charges. This industry talks. I kind of agree. I don't think people who want Flynn out is an idiot because those stats are pretty damning. I I, I agree. I agree. Wanting him, wanting change isn't, isn't a terrible take, right? That, that run, that run of form if you just look at that run of form in the cold light of day in for Swindon Town in League in League Two, that is sackable, absolutely. But it's it's we've got Mike Finn in charge. It's not like we've got. You know, I'm trying to think of a, I can't think of a name, but it's not like we've got one of the best young managers in the football league that 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 is being held back by the ownership. Like the owners, the ownership and Mike Finn suit each other perfectly at the moment. They are doing enough for each other for each other to be satisfied i think which is why which is why michael flynn is silent on any criticism against them he's not once come out and said he was sold a he was sold a dud in the summer he's been sold down the river he doesn't have a competitive budget it 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 you know he's four or five bodies short of competing we wanted we we were talking about aiming for the playoffs, but we know that's not possible now because we're not funded correctly. Uh, worried about points and stuff. He's never said anything. He's never said anything interesting of note. Full stop. But he's never once moved against the owners. Why would he? He's trying to protect himself. So he's he's the perfect manager for the owners, and and he's not going to rock, rock the boat. He's just not. Save that for the uh, post dismissal, post exit comments where he'll say well exactly. this happened this happened this happened exactly. we, we've seen it we've, we've seen it already this year but you know managers talking about their time with us and saying it was one of the most hectic chaotic you know um periods of, of they've ever seen at a football club and that's what swindon town is in the wider footballing community that's who we are we are, we are poorly run poorly managed poorly trained poorly paid really really badly organized and and that, that that's who we are in the community well for Flynn, his stats are, are lower than or poorer than Scott Lindsay's. Um, and he is looking at Phil Brown, Morris Malpass numbers now, um, if it continues in this vein. But the next three games feel quite significant. Forest Green at home, Crawley away and Colchester home. I, I just don't know what that significance is. Whether, <laughs> whether Morfini loses the masses, whether the masses, lo- you know, Flynn loses the masses, whether he, I, I just don't know. But I think a lot of people, a fair few people, went to the Wrexham game expecting a tonking at our expense, and then it just because it was a twelve thousand things getting really, really toxic in the ground. The half of that attendance at Forest Green, if it doesn't go our way, that that might be the one. Yeah, I think yesterday was never going to be toxic, and and it was a damp squib anyway. Really, I mean. Yeah, your 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 Americans and your Swansea fan and your Cheltenham screensaver fella aren't going to be throwing tennis balls, are they? Um, so you know, if 
I've seen a lot of people also sort of, you know, Boxing Day is a tradition for in their family to go. But after that, you know, season ticket or not, they, they, they're not really interested in in returning and that, that, that each their own. That's that's their lookout. Um, I, I think the crowd on Friday might be a little bit smaller than uh, yesterday. Oh, yes. I, I looked at the uh, the availability and yeah. Um, if anyone's wondering if they want to go, yeah, you'll you'll have choice. You'll be fine, and you won't need to buy a room at the Lorenzo Leonardo Hotel or whatever it's called to get a ticket. <laughs> I think the I think it could start. I think if they were on honest slash reported actual buns on seats, I think it probably starts with a five on Friday, doesn't it? Let's, let's, mm, we'll see. We'll um, see. Well, fingers crossed. Those you know that those who do manage to to go and they they have a nice time and and they watch a win. I think. We all need a little bit of a lift. I think the place has been so, uh, just so joyless for so long. Um, really I think has. we're all doing a little bit of a lift. And the one, the one silver lining, Rich, is that we ain't going to go down. No, so. no, 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 no. Well, I don't, I don't think so. And for the last few months, I've been saying we're going to get these little runs of losses, followed by a couple of cracks of of sunlight through the through the clouds. And I think that might happen over the coming couple of weeks, and then we go back to a bit of a, a hapless run and then a couple of wins because I think that's the way it's going to go this season. But we'll see. And it will be great. Um, I mean, Forest Green are in a real, real state, so they need to win. Um, and boy, we need to win. So it could be <laughs> it could be just the scruffiest fight ever, but we'll see. We have a presser coming up in the next 24 hours or so and then post Forest Green and then Crawley presser, then Crawley. So um, I hope... <laughs> I hope there's something to talk about that will put smiles on all our faces. But until then, Terry, thank you very much. Nice one, Rich. Cheers. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. The views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, you Reds. Come on, Fridget. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.